Afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, uh, just uh, bring greetings from the fellowship in Liverpool. And um, we're about 40 in number there. And uh, I'm just sort of looking around the hall while my wife was giving a testimony. And I see that, uh, see that actually quite a number of you have been there and been in the UK. So we thank you for your visit. Look forward to catching up with you and, and many new faces. Uh, the accent is not Liverpudlian, it's from Manchester. S sorry about that, I can't change that. Um, but yeah, I just want to, um, you know, sort of bring greetings from our assembly in Liverpool. My wife and I actually um, uh, come to Australia reasonably regularly, not as regularly, regularly as we would like. Um, uh, Yanni was born in Adelaide, I actually came to the Lord in Adelaide. Uh, some 33 years ago when I was uh, 14 years of age. And, um, yeah, uh, praise the Lord, we, 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 we come and uh, support the assemblies wherever we go. So we're, I think by the end of our trip on April the 6th, we will have done, uh, what was it, Annie, 11 assemblies, two camps over three states in six weeks. So that's the kind of timetable we're running to. It's a pleasure to be here. We haven't, we've been to Melbourne before. Um, I had brown hair then, so it was a long time ago. Um, I think it was about 17 or 18 years ago we were here. Uh, so it's, uh, it's just really good to be back, really good to be back. So thanks for having us, but uh, uh, we better get into the Bible, haven't we? Um, so let's, let's open our Bibles. I'll try and find uh, my notes. And uh, we will start in uh, Matthew chapter 5. All right, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 43. Uh, we're just going to dip into this one, but this is basically Jesus uh, talking about the contrast of the Old Testament and the New. I'm sure we all know that. And uh, he's highlighting the difference of the two of them. And he says in verse 43, You have heard it that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Uh, but I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them which hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and send rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if you salute brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do the same. Uh, so be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven uh, is perfect. So as I say, you know, if you were to read a little bit before this, uh, he's just, uh, it's a long sort of discourse highlighting the principles of the Old and New Testament, as we would, uh, as we would say. And uh, Jesus does, uh, Jesus does this uh, really good phrase. Uh, you've heard it been said, but I say to you, and, uh, you know, there are many voices in the world today, as we know, many distractions in the world today. And uh, but the, the voice that we ought to be listening to, as I'm sure we'd agree, is we need to be tuning into what the Lord has to say. You know, because if we tune into what the Lord has to say, we'll get his rewards instead of the Stanley worldly rewards that you get when you do it a worldly way. You know, and really, that's uh, that's what he's saying here. You know, uh, this is why he says in verse 46 and, and 47, if you love them which love you, 
you're not really doing anything more than than you than the ordinary man in the street who doesn't know God. Anybody can love those who love them, but you, it's going the extra mile. It's going the extra mile. It's praying for those people. It's it's bl- being a blessing unto the people uh, who come against us. That's Jesus' way, you know. And uh, I guess the thing I just wanted to say here, you know, is um, we can do things um, uh, like the world do, uh, but we'll it, we need to understand we'll only get the worldly reward, which is pretty mediocre, to be honest. Pretty mediocre not satisfying, not content. It doesn't work. This is why so many people in the world are so disillusioned with everything uh, in this life. And uh, obviously, if we tune into Jesus and his word and uh, we apply his standards and his teaching, we're going to get the rewards that he uh, has in store for us. And that's that's a lot more uh, satisfying. Con- uh, it brings you contentment. It's things like love and joy and peace and all these wonderful things. We'll go to uh, Ecclesiastes 10. We'll just do a couple of quick verses as we get into it. Ecclesiastes 10. Now today, if you want a title for the talk, is Old Keys Don't Open New Doors. Old Keys Don't Open New Doors. And, um, you know, uh, for those of us in fellowship um, here, I don't know whether there's anybody new here today. Because uh, obviously I don't know everybody's face uh, here this afternoon. Uh, but uh, the Bible talks about change. And this change comes about when you're born again of water and the Spirit. And that change, Jesus said, must take place if you're going to be prepared for the kingdom of God. Because this is a new kingdom. And that kingdom is coming. And uh, to, to uh, have access into that kingdom, because it's a new kingdom, you need a new, you need a new key. Because the one that you've got right now doesn't fit in the kingdom of God. It's a key called flesh. You know, it's a key called flesh and it it won't fit. And so the Bible tells us, of course, we're going to look at this in just a few more minutes, uh, that we have to be born again. All right. Whatever you had before, your old keys, you might have every key in the world. You might even have a few religious keys in your pocket but they still won't fit the new kingdom. You, you must be. You must be born again. Very simple stuff. And uh, often what you find is, uh, you know, it's human nature when things don't work the first time, we tend to try harder. You know, sometimes you try and put the key in the door or whatever you might try and do in your life. If, if it doesn't work, then what we try and do is we try and push it harder. Have we ever noticed that? You know, and um, I did that once. I share a little funny testimony. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 14 years of age, and he used to play uh, football. That's the real football, you know, with the round thing. Um, uh, anyway, that was a bit, con- that's probably the most controversial thing I'll say today. Um, I used to play football for the local high school when I came to the Lord, and um, I remember when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit. I just, in all innocency, I prayed on the Saturday morning, Lord, just give me a good game, just give me a good match. And um, we're sharing this during the week. And, um, and uh, I actually, on that, on that very day after I prayed, I got man of the match and I scored a hat-trick. The hat-trick is three goals in a row, you know. That never happened to me before. I'm a fairly, you know, sort of large 
frame, if you like. And my coach used to always shout at me and tell me off because he said, when the ball is up here, you're down here. And by the time you get your frame up there, the ball is back down there. That's, that's, how, he used to, that's how he used to tell me off, you know. And uh, anyway, as I say, I come to the Lord, prayed about this, uh, just for the Lord to give me a good match. And as I say, I got man of the match and I got three goals and that never happened before. So obviously this happens. So guess what I did the following Saturday? I had another pray. Lord, give me a good game. I thought, this is great being in the Lord. I was only just newly filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so I didn't, didn't know anything. Um, but uh, I prayed that Saturday and I went along to the match again. And, it, and this time it didn't work. All right. I was still down here when the ball was up there and, and so on and so forth. And so what did I do the following Saturday? I thought, well, it didn't work last week, so I'll pray harder. Do we recognize this? I just tried harder. I did it that Saturday, never worked. I did it the following Saturday, never worked. Did it the following, and so on and so forth. And I began to realize that maybe that's not what you use the Holy Spirit for. All right, took me a little while to, uh, to, took me a little while to work it out, you know. But isn't that, that, that's probably a typical example of our human nature. When things uh, don't go our way or when we can't get things working, we just do things, we do the same thing, just harder. And, and, and the Bible has a different way about doing it. It says Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. It says, if the iron be blunt and he does not wet the edge, then must he uh, put to it more strength. Okay, so basically, if you're using a sword or an axe or something like that, if you don't sharpen the edge, you've actually got to put more of yourself into it to make it work, you know? And uh, I really like this because this, uh, to me, it fits with the, this theme of old keys and new doors, is uh, what, what people try and do is they just try and make the old fit by pushing it harder, you know, and they try and make it fit. Well, it's not going to fit. It's not going to fit. And uh, what the Bible's encouragement is, not necessarily try harder. We shouldn't be lazy, and all the people said. You know, we shouldn't be lazy about it. But it's not all about trying hard. It's not all about you putting more into it. John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. So that's the way you sharpen things, is you take, you take more of yourself out of the equation and put more Jesus into the situation. He's the one who's got to increase. So this is how we sharpen ourselves, as I'm sure we're aware. And um, then what you find, uh, well, that's the wisdom that's profitable to direct. So we, we, it's just important to know as we go through, it's important to know, uh, just have a good look at things. If things are not working, have a good look at them. You might be using an old key to try and fit a new door. And we're going to look at an example, uh, an example or two of that as we go along. Let's go to Matthew 9. <clears throat> Matthew 9. This theme continues throughout the Bible. Um, Jesus gives another very good example here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 16. He, uh, he says, uh, verse 16, he says, No man putting a piece of new cloth unto an old garment... For that which is put into it fills it up, takes from the garment, and the rent is made worse. 
Neither do men put uh, new wine in old bottles, else the, else the bottles break and the wine runs out and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved. He's basically saying the same thing, same principle. Um, mixing things, he's talking about mixing old with new here. And mixing old with new does not work. You know, it does not work. I was brought up in the Church of England. Uh, I kind of knew a little bit about the Bible, mostly the pictures. <laughs> uh, didn't didn't really read it. But, um, you know, when I came to a revival meeting, um, I'd heard things in that meeting I'd never seen before in the Church of England. You know, and so often, uh, as we know, we get challenged when we come to the Lord about our religious upbringing, you know, and, and, and the way we've been brought up, you know, you know, it's uh, your parents do your best, do their best rather. But if they don't know the truth, how can they pass it on to you? You know, and so, you know, I don't blame my parents. I'm just glad they came to the Lord because that's how I, I came to the Lord. But uh, again, we've just got this big contrast because we've been changed. There are aspects of our life and our personalities and our nature uh, that is old. It's old hat, we would say. And to bring that into the new life and trying to mix that and make it work is totally ineffective. The, the Bible says here, it's got to be new wine in new bottles. It's got to be new with new. It's new keys in new doors is how it works. You know, when you go to the hardware store, um, whenever you buy a new door, this has never happened to me, by the way, so I'm just guessing if you go into, what is it, Bunnings? Bunnings, if you go out and go into Bunnings and buy a new door for your house, I bet you, not that I'm a betting man because we don't do that, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean, I bet it comes with a new set of keys, doesn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So, so you've been to Bunnings a few times, have you? <laughs> For coffee. For coffee. <laughs> but that's just that's the way it works. You could have, as I said before, you could have a million keys in your house, but not one of them is going to fit that new door that you bought from the hardware store. Not one of them. And you can force it and you can try as hard as you jolly well like, but it's not going to give you the opportunity to make progress, you know. And this is what it's like in the Lord. Now we've been changed. We, um, we've got to see we have to make an absolutely clean break from our old life and our philosophies and our ideas and so on. You know all this stuff. It's just good to sort of talk it out. John chapter 3. So it's new with new. New doors, you get new keys, and that's how things begin to open uh, and start working, and then you can make progress. So is it making sense? Yeah. That's a relief. Okay, so John chapter 3. Again, um, if you're new here today, we want to particularly point this verse out to you. I don't know whether you are, whether you come to observe or not. So, I'd, you know, if you are, I wouldn't even know you. So I don't know your background, but what I do know is this works. And um, you, you can't mix it. You can't bring what you've brought into the kingdom of God and make it work. It just won't. It doesn't fit. It does not fit. You have to have 
a new key for this new door. Jesus talks about a kingdom to come. As I mentioned in John 3, verse 3, um, he says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly. I like this because it's kind of its emphasis. He runs it past you twice just in case you missed it the first time. Verily, verily. You know, Jesus is not in the habit of repeating himself. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's just putting emphasis on it. He's, don't you miss what I'm about to say. You know, verily, verily, truly, truly. I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Uh, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, that's obviously just downright ridiculous to even contemplate such a thing, especially if you saw the size of my mother, you know. And um, But one thing that Nicodemus does acknowledge is what he acknowledges in this kind of ridiculous statement is that a, 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 a child's life comes from its parents, Right, A baby does not believe itself into being a baby. Just like Christians, you can't just believe that you're a Christian. The life of a Christian has to come from the parent. Yeah, It has to come from the father above, who makes the Christian, who makes the child of God. Does that make sense? You know, You can't just believe that you are. That's not how it works in the natural order of things. And, um, you know, so at least he recognizes uh, your life as a child has to come um, from elsewhere. And this is what the Bible calls being born again. Our life, our new life, our regenerated life, not an improved life, a brand new life uh, has to be imparted to us from the Father above. You know, it's got to come from him, not ourselves. Very good. I like it, you know. Uh, dead simple stuff as well. Uh, verse 5. So obviously Nicodemus is not getting uh, the message. So again, Jesus uses this phrase, uh, Verily or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you have this key, it will not allow you entrance into the kingdom of God. You know, you have to have these keys. It's water and spirit is your key. You know, it's water and spirit. And and often a, an example I might use, you know, um, I wish I, I, oh, Pastor Chris was talking to me about St. Kilda. Is that a football, uh, Aussie rules football team? Yeah. Huh? The Mighty Saints, the mighty saints right? Now, now I've asked you that, I've completely forgot the point I was going to make. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's right. So you might be, I think Pastor Chris was telling me the other night, he, he's, he's um, supported the mighty saints from being a kid, correct? Yeah? And uh, I don't know nothing about them, but, um, you know, I bet you can't rock, rock up, as the Australians say, you can't rock up to the stadium, right, without a ticket and expect to get into the stadium and watch the match. You know what I'm saying? You've got to have a ticket to get in. And it doesn't matter how big a fan you are of the mighty saints. You might have the shirt. You might have the top player name on, on the back of your shirt. You might have the posters in your bedroom. You might be able to name all the players on the team. If you don't have a ticket, you don't get in to see the match. It's true, isn't it? You know? And um, 
It, it, it's more, you know, if you're a fan of Jesus, well, good on you if you're a fan of Jesus. But that's still not going to get you in. That's still not going to get you. need the ticket. I know I'm using lots of analogies of doors and tickets and keys, but you know what I mean. So um, it says in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. And so this is why he says, marvel not. Don't be surprised that your key doesn't fit my door. All right? All of you have got keys to your front door. If I invited you to my house, right, don't all come at once because it burst at the seams, but you'd need my key, wouldn't you, to get in? And isn't that what being born again is? Jesus says, if you want to come into my house, you have to have my key. You can't use your own key because that's old, that it don't fit. You have to give, you have to get the one that I've got, I'll give it to you, just like you would in natural life. Is this, is this making sense? Making sense, yeah. So anyway. Um, so if Jesus is the door... Being born again is the key. If Jesus is the door, being born again is the key to get into him and is into his house. And this is the thing, you know, our fellowship has always taught being born again of water and the spirit is one complete experience. You know, when you give birth to a child, the leg doesn't come out first and then a head and then an arm and then, you know, all sorts of bits and pieces if you like all right it comes out as one complete child that's what being born again is we've got uh, the, the religious thinking in the world today that pe where where they say the holy spirit and speaking in tongues is just an addition it's just an addition it's not an addition it's integral and all the people said it's integral the child has to come out whole for it to be alive alive and well there's no arms and ears coming out all, all at separate times. Sorry, that's a really graphic picture, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. I'm going to use a different illustration now about caterpillars and butterflies, you know. People who say about uh, the Holy Spirit is just an addition, you don't really need to speak in tongues and all that sort of stuff. You know, it, it, this is the difference between caterpillars and butterflies, Right. This, this, the, the change is metamorphosis. You were, once, you were once a caterpillar, but being born again, you're now a butterfly. You're able to fly. That's a, a, the kind of the, the analogy that the Bible gives. And it makes me laugh sometimes because, you know, people, when people think, who, the, you know, the Holy Spirit is an addition. They think that if you can sellotape, do you know what sellotape is? Yeah, you can sellotape two wings onto a butterfly, onto a caterpillar, and call it a butterfly. That's what they're saying. If the Holy Spirit is an addition, just stick two wings on it with a bit of tape, and you'll be a butterfly. No, you won't. You'll be a caterpillar with two wings stuck to your back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and it's not going to fly. It might have wings, but it's not going to fly. 
Why is it not going to fly? Because its eyes are not reprogrammed and its brain is not reprogrammed to take in flight and measurement and time and distance. A caterpillar does not have that capability. That's why it has to be, um, you know, broken down into, like, whatever it is in the chrysalis. And then it's completely rebuilt and, and reprogrammed from the ground up. That's what it's like being in the Lord. You know, that's what it's like is we have been complete. It's not just an addition. It's complete rebuilding and, and new ways. You know, that's really how how it works. So, you know, next time people say to you, the Holy Spirit is just an addition. It doesn't really matter, uh, you know, uh, whether you have it or not. Just talk to them about caterpillars and butterflies and hopefully they'll get the message. Um so simply old keys don't open new doors. This is what Jesus is saying. You, you got to. That's why. Don't be surprised that your key's not going to fit my door. <laughs> don't be surprised that if you're trying to stick two wings on a caterpillar that you're not going to fly. Don't be surprised that I said you've got to be born again. Yeah, Galatians 5. I need to move on, don't I? Galatians 5. Galatians 5. So this is a principle we can use. I love Bible principles because when you get Bible principles, you can superimpose them over every aspect of your life and they work. And it's beautiful and, and it's simple, which for my kind of level of thinking is really useful. Um, and if it really is true, you, you, you're able, if it's a true principle, you're able to reverse the principle and it'll work the same way the other way. So I said, you know, old, uh, old keys don't open new doors. So the reverse of that is new keys don't open old doors. Am I right? Now that's interesting because in Galatians 5 verse 16, it's, that's exactly what it says. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you start using your new keys... They don't start opening up the old doors of your own nature. How brilliant is that? You know, just walk in the spirit, use that key, and all the old stuff that you used to do before, it doesn't get a smelling. That is that is superb, you know. I really like that. And anyway, let's um uh, let's have a look at this. So uh verse 19 we're in. Sorry. Verse 19 is the works of the flesh. It's a really, it's a really grim list. We don't want to read that, do we? But you know what it says. Um, but if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill any of them. You won't fulfill any of them. Uh, your new key will not open doors of opportunity to verse 19. They, it won't. You know, and you can try as hard as you can, but if you're walking in the spirit, you'll flee these things. It's automatic. You know, and it's just so simple, isn't it? Anyway, let's go down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentle goodness, faith, uh, and so on and so forth. So walking in the Spirit, um, you know, as I mentioned, is the antidote, is the antidote 
to all our troubles. It really is. You don't need to know anything more than that. You know, because if we applied that, we would all be so much better, you know, uh, on an ongoing basis. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, I might have mentioned it before, all things are passed away. Everything has become new. Everything. Well, that's what happens in a butterfly. A butterfly does not have caterpillar eyes. It doesn't. It doesn't have caterpillar intestines. It sees things differently. It has different desires because it's been completely rebuilt. It's a new creation, and that's what it is like being born again. And this is why, obviously, uh, the Bible uh, spends so much emphasis, um, really, in the letters to the church from the from the from the Book of Romans to Revelation, if you like. Um, really detailing uh, how to walk in the spirit. So, so important, you know. And uh, when we do this, as I say, your old nature is not going to rear its ugly head. And it is ugly. It, it, your flesh, it's ugly. Make no mistake. Make no mistake about it. In the flesh dwells no good thing. Um, so it's just a good thing to know. It's simple. It's practical. It's something that you can readily bring to mind uh, when you need it. So good stuff. Uh, Act 16. I've got two more and then I'm off, yeah? So the principle on that one, just to underline it, is new keys don't open old doors either. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, Act 16. All right, just uh, just for time's sake, what we might do is go down to um, 24, Acts 16, verse 24. This is the account of Paul and Silas. They've been preaching the gospel. And um, in preaching the gospel, uh, there was a few feathers ruffled, as you could say. And they got a bit of stick for it. All right. And um, they end up in prison, as we, as we know the account. So let's, uh, let's read it, Acts 16, verse 24. Um, 23, sorry. Um, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stock. So this guy wasn't taking any chances. <laughs> he used every key in his book, didn't he? You know, a jailer has keys. Uh, but he didn't have the keys that Paul and Silas had. Have a look at this. It's superb, this. And made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto, the, uh, unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Have a look at this. And immediately all the doors were opened. How's that possible? That's possible because Paul and Silas had spiritual keys. And their spiritual keys, as it says here, uh, is they prayed and sang now, that's a very unusual way to unlock a door. You ever tried that one before? <laughs> yeah? They prayed and sang praises to God. 
that opens locked doors. And that jailer did every... They, he had all the equipment to keep him bound, all the keys on his belt, you can imagine it. And he not only locked him in the inner prison, he locked him fast in the stocks and so on. And uh, he was trying old things. And the old things just can't compete with spiritual things. It just can't, you know. And here we have, I suppose, a real-life um, example of really what I'm trying to put across today. I'm trying to, I've spent a lot of time putting the principle across, but this is a live, uh, uh, a real life uh, sort of example, if you like, you know? And sometimes what you find, I know I find it sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, you just get stuck. You just get stuck in yourself or in a situation you can't move forward you can't progress you you're struggling to overcome it and so on and so forth and uh you know as i say sometimes we just try harder well that's not always the solution sometimes what we have to do is do ecclesiastes 10 10 have a really good look at what we're doing sharpen it up put less of you in it and get more of jesus in it that's how we sharpen up and then what you find start singing and praying and doors start flying open I can remember that. I can remember it. We had a, we've got a sister, elderly sister in our. Hope she doesn't listen to this talk now. I've called her elderly, but um, um, I will be in trouble. But she, um, uh, we used to have meetings in Manchester, and the Liverpool brethren used to come over on a Sunday. She used to get a lift uh, with with a, with another couple. And um, anyway, as I say, she was. All right. <laughs> Uh, sorry. Um, and so she's in the meeting. We're just about to start. <laughs> we're just about to start choruses. And uh, she just she starts with a, a huge migraine. You know, the, the lights and everything. If you've had migraines, you know what it you know what it's like. And uh, her instant thought was, I need to go home. I need to go home because she's three days in a dark room, you know. And um, and then the second thought was I can't go home because someone brought me here, so I've got to I kind of got to stick it out if you like. And anyway, all this was happening in in just moments, just before the choruses started, and then she just came to the conclusion, well, I'll just after I'll just sit here and I'll sing, you know. And uh, she started to sing choruses, and she was instantly healed in the meeting from a migraine. You know, no, that that might be small potatoes, as it were, but uh, nevertheless, she she used some keys there. She she used these keys. Paul and Silas were familiar with these kind of instruments of just singing and praising the Lord. You know, it's really good. It says uh, in verse, um, yeah. So um, at midnight they sang and prayed. Uh, suddenly, in verse 26, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I to be, uh, do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Basically, Paul and Silas saying, 
you've got the keys, but we're the ones who are free. <laughs> How does that work? It's only the Lord, isn't it? You know, he thought he was a free man. He thought he had the power because he had the keys, putting these Christians in jail. Lord had other ideas. They were free men. They were free men, and they, you know, and, and their keys looked a whole lot different to the jailers. It's really good practical stuff. So next time you get stuck, remember your some of your keys, your new keys, is just prayer and singing praises to God. All right, that's how that's how locked doors start flying open. Um, Philippians three. Philippians 3, we'll just look at Paul's testimony. Um, so obviously Paul knew about this. I mean, obviously he's born again, but, uh, you know, when you when you find yourself in a situation like they were in, in, in prison, and uh, it just that would have been a grim old place, that. You wouldn't have felt like singing, necessarily. You wouldn't have felt like um, like praying, but he was born again, and he knew he had equipment to go beyond his emotions. And that is so important to understand. You know, is often our emotions confuse us, and they lead us astray, and they lead us astray from the very things that work effectively. You know, so we need, obviously, we keep ourselves in check uh, in order to uh, apply the scriptures, and then you find that's where you're real overcoming uh, begins to come to its own. Let's let's have a look at his testimony, shall we? Philippians three, verse. Uh, well, uh, yeah, in verse three he said, "I have no confidence in the flesh." I mentioned that before, and then he goes on to say, "Listen, if any man thinks uh, he's confident in the flesh, look at my credentials." So he starts in verse five. I'm circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law, I'm a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, uh, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I'm blameless. But what things were gained to me, I, those I counted loss for Christ. I just get the impression, maybe I'm using a bit of creative license here, uh, but he's, the way that I kind of see this is like with our principle, he's, he's like saying, look at all these keys I've got in the flesh I'm circumcised the eighth day. I'm a Hebrew, the Hebrew. I've got this key. I've got that key. And this get, these things in the world got in places. So they were keys. And then he heard about a new kingdom. He was apprehended on the road to Damascus, as we know. And, um, and Jesus showed him something different. Jesus showed him something different. He repented, got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, as we know. And then he's just got this realization in his walk. You know, the things that I had, in verse 7, the things that I had which were useful to me, I now realize that they are completely useless to me. You know, he didn't bring them with him into his new life because he realized they were very old keys that weren't going to work in the new kingdom. And... Uh, his, uh, his language, uh, I suppose, gets a little bit stronger here, not just loss. He, he goes on to say in verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ. 
He considered his old ways, his old ideas, philosophies, keys, the, all the things that were going for him in his natural old life. He counted them dung. You know, he counted them but dung. And, um, you know, as I said recently, you don't walk around with dung in your pocket. Well, if you, well, if you did... Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting next to you for sure. <laughs> but you you don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just don't walk around with dung in your pocket. So, you know, why do we bring the old keys with us? When Paul, Paul rates them so lowly and ineffective. See the old and the flesh for what it truly is. You know? And uh, when we do see the flesh as what it truly is, we're happy to put it away. <laughs> we're happy to put it away, you know, and use things that God has uh, given to us, of course. You know, and uh, I suppose, you know, uh, just to kind of finish up, really, you know, if we want things to improve, you know, perhaps we get stuck in our own selves, and, uh, and so on and so forth. That's going to take progress. Progress requires change. Sometimes what you have to do is do Ecclesiastes 10, just go back, have another look, sharpen it up, um, and, uh, and, uh, and obviously uh, look at whether we're using these new keys because um, uh, it says that the Bible says um, the gates of hell, the gates of hell cannot prevail against this. That's very powerful indeed. You know, very powerful indeed. So, praise the Lord. Uh, the Lord is coming back. If we looked at 2 Peter 3, we can't now because I've run out of time, but it says we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth. This is why you've got to be born again, because God is preparing for the eternity. And um, when we're in the flesh, we just cannot cope with that. We can't even cope with life in the flesh, let alone eternity. You know, and so, you know, we do well to go back, get back to basics, get back to this exciting born again change. You're a new creation. Start delving into the word of God about all this equipment that is at our fingertips. Start discovering really what it can do. And then all the stuff that we thought were useful, bin, bin it. It's not going to work, you know, and just to really start looking for the new in the kingdom of God. All the people said, Amen. Thanks for listening.